Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 127, lots to talk about with the uh, transfer window, what was going on with Francisco Chico Conceição going to Ajax, what is up with Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, another big club this week, politely declined not to go after him. What were the rumors all about with sporting, Cristiano and sporting this past weekend? I'll give you a bit of a, a review and some thoughts about that. Um, and uh, also talk a little bit, of course, about a uh, busy week with a lot of matches uh, this weekend, sporting, uh, Porto and Benfica, uh, over the course of the next three to four days, playing uh, very important uh, matches. Uh, at home in front of their fans back in uh, Lisbon and uh, Porto. Uh, big three update, Braga update, uh, player abroad manager update, and then also want to tell you a little bit that I'm going to say for the very end because there's a little bit of Portuguese to it, but it's really about my experiences, so that's why I'm doing it at the end. I had the opportunity last weekend to go see Arsenal Everton in Baltimore, and then on Sunday I got a chance to see the New York uh, Derby between the Red Bulls and New York City FC, the Major League Soccer champions from last year. And we'll share with you a few uh, experiences that I had from uh, my big weekend of soccer football last weekend, as well as some advice for you if you're ever planning on traveling. I think you're going to want to listen to some advice that I have to, uh, to uh, give you. But let's get going with episode 127. And again, this is a big weekend of preseason matches. Uh, we've got preseason this week. Next weekend, we also have more preseason matches. And then the following week, in about two weeks, is the start of the Liga B-Win season. Uh, next weekend is also the Super Cup between Porto and Tudela in Aveiro. And i got plenty of time to talk about that in the next episode. Uh, but the bottom line is, is we're getting close to real football, meaning matches that count. We already had it with uh, Vitoria Guimarães in the Europa Conference League, which I'll talk about in a moment. But it's getting closer. It's two weeks away. And pretty soon we'll be back to doing what we all love to do, and that is watching the Liga B win in uh, Portugal. But let's get going and talking about the schedule. Again, busy weekend of preseason matches. I feel like almost everybody uh, in Portugal, with the exception of a few teams, are playing on Saturday. You've got matches like uh, Feirense from the Feira taking on Vizela, Aroca playing Chaves, Rio Ave playing Santa Clara, You've got Portimonense playing Braga. That's a very, very good match. Casapia, newly promoted, taking on Meritimu. you got Torrents, uh, a team I'll be talking about a lot this year. They'll be playing at home against uh, Feirense from Algarve. Gil Vicente will be playing Passos de Ferreira, a pair of teams from up north, uh, playing for the preseason. Um, and then you also have Mafra playing um, Feirense as well. Feirense playing... Uh, two matches on a Saturday. Not very common, by the way, for teams to split their squads and play them in two different bashes. A lot of times in the morning and then the other one in the evening because middle of the day in Portugal, as you know, is very hot in Portugal and Europe. And then, of course, um, on uh, Saturday night, you've got Porto matchup presentation against uh, Monaco. Monaco, always a good opponent for Portuguese clubs and, of course, reminds uh, people with fond memories of Porto Manico, of the uh, Champions League final from 2004 that I remember uh, very well watching it with a bunch of friends of mine at a bar in uh, New York City. 
Uh, and then on Sunday, you've got a few matches, but the one that sticks out, and that is Sporting's five violins match, uh, Cinco Violinos. It's their big match brought back in the day by Carlos, by uh, Bruno Di Carvalho, and Sporting every year has made it their big preseason match. And uh, they'll be playing a very good opponent, by the way. Again, much like Porto playing Monaco, Sporting playing Sevilla. And that's going to be on a Sunday night in 1945. Uh, and that will be played, of course, at Alvalade in uh, Lisbon. Uh, and then on Tuesday, Benfica at home will be playing uh, Newcastle. And, uh, and that will be the Eusebio Cup, which is back after a few years' absence. You know, I remember... Talking, uh, I think it was a few, uh, maybe at the beginning when I started to do podcasts about, you know, Benfica. I think they uh, went to the States as part of the, uh, you know, those tour of matches that clubs play in the States. And uh, they came one year, I think they played a Eusebio Cup against the Mexican team in Mexico. So it's been all over the place, but it's back to where it belongs, and that is the Stadio Delusion. That's on Tuesday. And Benfica, by the way, they do play on Friday, just about when I'm dropping this episode. They'll be playing Girona. And uh, from Italy, and they'll be playing that preseason match in uh, Switzerland. Uh, I believe that's a, a game for all the uh, the immigrants um, that are going to be in uh, Switzerland. A lot of Portuguese in Switzerland, in case you didn't know. I know they changed the location of the stadium, but I believe it's still in uh, Geneva, which is a hotbed for a lot of uh, Portuguese immigrants. So the first, second to last week of preseason matches... Next week, we have uh, preseason matches, including the Super Cup between Porto and Tunella, and then things get going uh, the uh, following week. And then also on the schedule for this week, the second leg of the um, Europa Conference League, second preliminary round. Uh, Guimaraes on Thursday, winning the first leg at home, 3-0. Jota Silva, the big signing. Uh, from uh, Casapia, if you remember, they announced him, and then Casapia came out and said, hey, what are you talking about? He still has another year with us, if I recall correctly. And they worked it out, and uh, he was a big start tonight. And uh, remember, Guimaraes last week let go of Peppa, who's now got a job in Saudi Arabia. And there was a whole chaos about that last week. But Guimaraes, their first, it's going to be a long trip to qualify, but it's their first match. Positive result, 3-0 at home. So now next Thursday, they will go to Hungary with a 3-0 advantage, and will look to uh, protect that lead. Uh, against the uh, team that they're playing, uh, Puskas Akadumika. I uh, probably didn't say it right, but remember, that's in Hungary this time, so you can't uh, blame me. So a lot of football coming up, and uh, let's move on now. Uh, oh, and by the way, let me also, before I forget, we now have the times for the first week of the Liga B win in about two weeks. Benfica Roca kicks it off on a Friday night. August the 5th, uh, Benfica, of course, that'll be the match in the middle of their two Champions League matches uh, in terms of their third preliminary round. So they'll play, I think it's that Tuesday, then Friday, and then I think the following Tuesday or Wednesday they play uh, the Champions League. And um, the schedule is out, so Benfica, Roca, begin. Rio Ave, Vizela, Estoril, Fama, Porto Maritimo will be on that uh, Sunday, Saturday, excuse me. Sunday, three more matches, Sadna Clara, Casapia, Braga, Sporting. That's an 1800 kickoff up north. And then Portimonense, Boa Vista. And then round one, week one of the Liga B1 season ends on that Monday, August the 8th. Gilles Vicente with their new manager against Passos de Ferreira with Cesar Pichotu. Chaves, newly promoted. I know a lot of people from the Tras du Munster are happy. Taking on Vitoria de Guimarães, which is uh, looking to do things with the leaner budget. 
But that is uh, the schedule that we can say that has already uh, been announced. And uh, people ask me about what's the best way to go see as many matches as possible. If you can get tickets, and by the way, it's not going to be easy to get tickets because a lot of immigrants are going to be in Portugal, a lot of people visiting, not just immigrants, but people just visiting in Portugal, period. Tickets are always very tough in August. But, uh, you know, you got Benfica playing in Lisbon on uh, Friday night. Then you head up north to see Porto Maritimo if you can get tickets. And then Saturday, Sunday, excuse me, you head up a little bit further up north, about 45 minutes away, and you go to Braga, and you'll see Braga Sporting if you're able to make it work. And then if you still want to see another match and you want to go just a little further north, you can go on Monday night and see Gil Vicente Pachos de Ferreira. That's a pretty good match as well to begin the season. So that's my advice for you if you're planning on going to Portugal. Start south and work your way up north because that's how you'll be able to cover. And again, that's only if uh, tickets are available, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be going pretty fast. The best time to go see matches... October, November, uh, especially this year with the World Cup happening in uh, late November, December, and then obviously January, February, April. Those are the times of the year when uh, it gets a little bit easier for tickets except for, you know, the Classicos and the big derbies. People always ask me that. If you want the highest chance, and not to mention the fact that it's also cheaper to go to Portugal during those times of the year, you know, that's the, uh, that's the time uh, to uh, do it. But let's talk uh, transfer updates Obviously, uh, <clears throat> there's a lot to talk about, but let me start with Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, another big club has politely declined uh, going after Cristiano Ronaldo. The most recent one, as of this podcast being recorded, is Atletico Madrid. Um, you know, I said this two episodes ago, and it remains true now that he has to be very careful, Cristiano, that all these clubs that have been linked with him, I mean, who's been linked with him? Chelsea. Uh, you got Atletico Madrid, you've had Bayern, you know, you've had all these big clubs, PSG, that have politely declined. Some of them, in the case of Atletico, it's because of money. Others, it's because, you know, they just don't see a fit. And you want to take Cristiano Ronaldo, no one would ever think twice about him. But at the end of the day, you have to think about who you already have up front and all the money you spent, and then especially if they're younger players that you've invested on. So I don't know what's going to happen with them. Um, you know, what at this point in time, what other clubs are out there that would be very interested in him? And if he goes back to Manchester for United, uh, you know, United's having this overseas tour. They're doing very well. Uh, from the looks of it, the player's having a great time. Positive results, which really is not a surprise. Um, but you got to wonder if the team with their new manager is starting to mesh, you know, starting to gel together, get comfortable. Um, and Cristiano hasn't been a part of that. You have to wonder if it's going to hurt. And again, I can't believe I'm saying that because we're talking about one of the greatest players ever to play this sport. But people also have to think about fit and people also have to think about money. And, you know, this past weekend, another club was associated with it, but it turned out not to be really true. And that was Sporting and Cristiano. And there was a report uh, reported to be from Sport TV. I even ran with the uh, news. Um, I did some research, and apparently, according to what I read, uh, that I guess at around 1815, 14, somewhere around there, 614, 615, there was a discussion on Sport TV, if I'm to be believed, you know, according to what I heard, that did discuss this possibility. But I guess it was run as a fact. Um, and then I, as soon as Cristiano announced it was fake, deleted it. 
Uh, didn't want that news to go. If he's saying that it's fake, I mean, if he's saying it's fake, remember, he's talking about his childhood club. I mean, I don't think he would be too disrespectful or say something like that unless he really meant it. Unfortunately, a lot of media, some of them would like to tag PortugueseSoccer.com for whatever reason, went with this for days. And there were people commenting on this days after, even though Cristiano said it was fake. Uh, but that's the power of the uh, social media where fans that are casual fans, especially if they're on Twitter, you know, they, they may not have all the information and think whatever they see is the very latest. But um, I'm proud of the way I handled it. I got rid of it to help out the cause because I had gotten some uh, DMs uh, from various individuals who said, you, sh you know, delete it, not true, all that. And I want to thank everybody for those that uh, reached out. And again, always trying to do the right thing here. But Sport TV is a pretty decent source in Portugal. They own the League of Rights. You know, when you hear the reports about that, it's, it's hard not to believe it. Um, but apparently it's not true. But again, this is silly season. So why is people getting upset? This is what happens. There are also stories circulating about Cristiano's car in Sporting's uh, garage. I believe it was in Alvalade. You know, the guy, I mean, my first thought when I saw that was, what, he can't visit Sporting? I mean, his mother goes to a lot of the games. I, I didn't see a big deal in it, but maybe that... Maybe that was part of creating the perception that sporting and, uh, you know, Cristiano says and he went through a lot of people like, for, you know, like the famous Fabrizio Romano and Pedro Sopoveda that came out recently and have said that he's not thinking about going back to sporting this year. Although, if you're Cristiano Ronaldo and you want to play in the Champions League, you know, what other options do you have? Because, you know, sporting did qualify last year out of the groups. Um, you know, and I think it would be great for Portugal. It would be great to bring him back. But again, I think he's looking for something a lot bigger. He would obviously have to take a much bigger pay cut. Uh, I still think Cristiano is coming back to sporting one day. But this is not going to be the summer. But again, he's got a tough decision to make. He's going to have to make a tough decision to go back to Manchester, uh, which I don't know if that's what he wants. But again, we don't know what's going to happen. Only the agent, the player, and the club really, really, really know what's going on. And, um, you know, we have to see what happens uh, with that. But again, uh, it turns out to be that uh, Cristiano, as, we, as I speak, is trying to figure out his next move. And he remains in Lisbon on, for personal reasons. And again, we wish him the uh, very best of luck. Uh, other big news from this past Saturday. Um, I actually heard it on the train ride down to Baltimore to go see Arsenal Everton. And that was that Francisco uh, Chico Conceição that Ajax, which had been linked with him in the past with some interest in him, basically were triggering his uh, release clause, which, you know, there's pretty much nothing Sporting could do, uh, unless I believe Shiku uh, says no to it. But they triggered his release clause, and um, this brought a lot of disappointment from uh, Porto fans because, uh, you know, the bottom line is, is, you know, you look back earlier this year with Luis Diaz going to Liverpool, a lot of Porto fans felt that he was not sold for the right money. I had mentioned back in uh, January during the podcast, and it remains true to this day, I take pride in saying this, that you know initially it was Tottenham that was eyeing him, and then eventually it became Liverpool. And I remember a lot of fans that didn't think it was going to happen, especially when they saw Liverpool. But I remember saying that if Porto does make a move to sell their best player in the middle of the season, then there's got to be a good reason for it financially for that to happen. And then, obviously, he was sold, but a lot of people felt he was undersold, and then We've got this move with uh, Fabio Vieira, which surprised a lot of people and came out of nowhere. Then we had, of course, Vitinha, and Vitinha went for the uh, release clause. And uh, But, you know, at least they were sold for a decent amount of money. But Chico, 
you know, he would have been one of the regular players this year on the team. I think he would have been a big thing and probably next year could have gone for 30 or 40 million, but apparently they didn't renew with him. One of the newspapers said that he didn't want to renew. I don't know if that's true, but the bottom line is a good young potential Portuguese player is leaving one of the big three clubs in Portugal for only 5 million euros. And you know how it works in Portugal. You need money because you need to sell those players that you've spent helping create, although he spent most of his career, Chico, at Sporting. Um, but you need, whenever you have one of these young talents, especially ones that are playing for you, you know, coming off the bench, playing for the under-21s, those are not players that, that leave for 5 million euros. And Porto's gotten a lot of criticism because they've had some players over the years, most recently Mbemba, Brahimi, the left, all have left on a free. They're not the only ones. Um, you know, they managed to sell Corona for some money just to be able to uh, get some money for him last year. Um, but, uh, you know, the bottom line is Porto, uh, a lot of fans are frustrated. A lot of, I talk about a lot of my cousins in, in France because I got a lot of cousins in France. Most of them are Porto fans. And they get very frustrated when you start communicating with them on WhatsApp because they were pretty shocked by this. And between my cousins uh, yelling about it in French and Portuguese, I knew it was very serious. And, of course, this also attracted the attention of the leader of Portu's Clocks, their supporters group. He came out with a comment, you know, about not having his, you know, his son wouldn't play for Benfica. That's referring to the other Conceição song. And for, for Chico to leave, but, you know, put put Porto in a situation where they essentially in the long term lose money on Chico, you know, which hurts the club, uh, that made a lot of news. A lot of news. And I couldn't tell you, in, you know, we know of this guy. I don't know who the main, main guy is for sporting or who the main, main guy is for Benfica, but this guy, um, who I believe owns a hotel and has been leading the clock for many years. He was also the leader of the uh, Portugal clock for Euro 2016. Now, a lot of many people know this, but the Federation asked him to help in the stadiums to bring more attention. He even came out with some negativity about this. So not a great week. And then there was even reports, I think it came from Correios de Minera, that Conceição asked to leave. And that turned out not to be true and was immediately rebuffed by Pedro Salpoveda, the Portuguese Fabricio Romano. And I, uh, for me, and by the way, Pedro is awesome and he deserves all the respect that he can get. So a surprising move for a young player to leave for $5 million. That's all you need to say in that sentence. A young Portuguese player like that is leaving for $5 million. So a lot of people unhappy. They didn't renew with him. What are the reasons? We don't know. I don't want to speculate, but obviously they didn't renew with him, and now he's leaving for uh, $5 million. Other news uh, going on in transfer window. We saw Fabio Silva, <clears throat> again, another player. Actually, he went for good money, but a player that a lot of people felt left too soon. Uh, he's being loaned out to Anderlecht, the uh, very big club in uh, Belgium. Uh, Anderlecht, by the way, did a ton of social media about him. You know, that's how happy they were to have him, and uh, they even showed him doing a bicycle kick for a goal. But Fabio Silva renewed one more year with the Wolves, and now he's going to try to resuscitate his career and play uh, first-team football in Belgium, which is not a bad league, not necessarily... I don't know if it's a top-10 league, but it's close. Uh, but he, uh, he moved on uh, late was on loan last year from Porto to Braga. They didn't uh, exercise his clause. Well, he's now going on loan to Germany with Union Berlin. That was also announced uh, this past Saturday. Uh, then you've got a lot of people that, uh, well, you got, you know, Renato Sanchez. Uh, he reportedly may be going to either PSG or Milan, Portuguese players on, on both of those teams, so that should help him. Uh, a lot of people felt 
that Renato wasn't on the national team this summer because they wanted him to work out his future. Well, his future still hasn't been worked out. He's still with Lille. So I don't know if we could say that that was the reason why he wasn't with the national team this summer. But at the end of the day, um, you know, Renato, is it a good move for him? I still think he needs to spend one more year with Lille and then be a little bit stronger, mature to move on to a bigger club. But we'll see what happens. But apparently that might be happening. He might be going with, uh, you know, Milan or PSG being the possibilities. Uh, Passos de Freira goalkeeper Andre Ferreira is going to Granada, a big move for the Passos goalkeeper, who I thought, you know, was one of the better goalkeepers last year in Portugal, but he gets overshadowed because he doesn't play for a big club. He replaces Luis Maximiano, who I reported last week, or, as, you know, obviously it's been reported, went from Granada, which was relegated last year, and that's why Maximiano left. Maximiano went to Lazio, so now they go after another Portuguese goalkeeper, and this time they go after Granada, go after Andre Ferreira, and he goes from Passos to second division football in uh, Spain. Ferro, another player that a few years ago was highly touted by Benfica, he's going to the Dutch league to play for Vitesse Arnhem. I, if I recall correctly, he was in Croatia last year with Hajik Split. Uh, and then another big news regarding managers, Pepa who if you remember last year with all the chaos and him being uh, basically let go at Guimarães because he didn't agree with the president, well, he quickly got a job, and he's in uh, Saudi Arabia with a club called Altai, so he quickly picks up. But let me tell you, man, you go manage Saudi Arabia or you play in Saudi Arabia, you're going to make a lot of money. So I'm sure he uh, he goes from probably making a certain amount of money with Guimarães to perhaps a better financial situation. Um, now, that's the reality in Portugal. Clubs only have... You know, so much money to spend. Um, Ricardo Huerta, what is going on with Ricardo Huerta? Uh, this week, Schmidt, one of the newspaper said that, you know, Benfica wants a, he wants a striker. And Ricardo Huerta still hasn't happened. So that one might go down to the wire at the end of uh, August when the transfer deadline ends. But right now, Huerta's still playing for uh, Braga, and he's still with uh, camp with them in the Algarve. Ruben Vinag has been set uh, going from sporting to loan in um in uh, England, but hasn't happened yet. Um, Mateo Nunes is always the subject of rumors. Watch next week when you're listening to this. It'll be slow. You know, people will be talking about, you know, the Super Cup. People will be talking about the fact that the league is about to start in a week and a half. And then watch the rumors start up again about a player like Mateo Nunes or Gonzalo Nasio. Watch, because that's how it happens with the newspapers. They will bring something back to bring life to it, especially because the agents might be uh, trying to uh, push it. So that's uh, the uh, big news uh, with that. So, um, again, we still have, what, about five weeks left in the transfer window, and already a lot has happened. But obviously the two biggest things are, number one, this past week, the two biggest things to point out, Cristiano Ronaldo, what was his future going to be like? Um, and then, of course, Shiku going to Ajax. <laughs> Part two of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Uh, welcome back. If you're listening to this for the first time, again, I encourage you to listen to it on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcast, Podcast Attic. If uh, you're listening to this all the time and you haven't subscribed yet to one of those platforms, why haven't you subscribed yet? Come on, help me out. But uh, the numbers just continue to be uh, great. 
Um, seems like every month I have to raise my goals of how many listeners I want, and I, I've been slowly managing to reach the objectives. I always joke that uh, if I reach an objective like they do when players go on loan and they reach an objective, you have to buy them. I wish someone would give me money every time I reach my objectives, but that's not, not going to happen because it's just little old me. But uh, part two, and let's get going here. I uh, want to start off talking about the big three, Benfica. They found out their uh, Champions League, uh, their preliminary round draw. They're going to be playing either a Dutch club called Mittegein. I know I didn't say that right. Or Larnica from Cyprus. They played already first leg, nil-nil in Denmark. Now they go to Cyprus for the second leg. The Danish team um, is supposed to be the heavily favored in this, but give credit to this team from Cyprus for going there. I think Larnica is one of the bigger teams in Cyprus football. Uh, but they uh, they put together a very good uh, result. Uh, we saw Seferovic. Seferovic finally went to Galatasaray after so many weeks of uh, rumors. He joins another, well, he's Swiss, but he played in Portugal. He'll be joining Sergio Oliveira, and uh, they'll be playing for what is a very big club in Turkish football, and that is Galatasaray. So our friends in Turkey continue to look in Portugal for the foreigners or the Portuguese players. And yet another player going the other way to Turkey. By the way, George Jesus' first match for Fenerbahce official match. Uh, the Champions League second preliminary round, they, they did 0-0 with Dynamo Kiev. Um, and I believe that was being played at Dynamo Kiev, but they played that in Poland at a neutral site. So now George Jesus gets to come home to Istanbul. And we wish uh, Fenerbahce our friends at Fenerbahce and, uh, you know, all our Turkish friends, I'm not just going to say Fenerbahce and JJ, good luck on the second leg uh, next uh, week. Uh, Ricardo Wart, as you know, uh, the rumors have kind of died down, so we'll see what happens with that. Schmidt has told Rui Costa, if reports are to be believed, not to sell Florentino, Gonzalo Ramos, or Morata. Ramos has been linked with some uh, pretty big clubs, I think even PSG. I don't know how, many tr how much truth there is to it. I mean... Yeah, PSG would love to have a player like that, but much like Vitinha, I don't know. I, I'm just surprised. I, I still think he needs another year in uh, Portugal. Morato has been the subject of some interest in France, but apparently Benfica doesn't want to sell him until they qualify for the Champions League first. But he may be going out right before uh, the uh, transfer window uh, closes. Uh, Gonzalo Guedes. Remember him when he used to play for Benfica before he was sold to PSG and then PSG he was sold to Valencia? Well, Valencia is looking to move him. He was even linked at one point with uh, Roma. But now Benfica apparently did a, uh, hey, ring, ring, hello, hey, it's Benfica. Uh, eh, just asking, no big deal, asking for a friend. Well, what would you be looking for if you were looking to sell Guedes? What are you thinking about and would you consider him on loan and all that? Like... You know, just a little inquiry call that eventually does make it to the newspapers with Benfica being linked with him. But, uh, you know, that's also something that was in the news. But I, I just don't see that happening because Benfica doesn't have $40 million, which I think is what uh, Valencia want because they spent that much on him from PSG and they're not just going to give him away for $10 million. It's just not going to happen. But Benfica, by the way, have had a very good preseason, good win against Fulham 5-1 to one against Marco Silva. And uh, João Palinha this past weekend to win the Algarve Cup. But I will say Benfica, you know, they PZ looks like he's moving to Dubai. He may play for Carlos Corvial's club as one of the options. Andre Almeida is going to be moving on. They're going to be rescinding the contract with him. He was with the club for 11 years. Two former captains look like they will be moving on. And I know a lot of Benfica fans will be happy 
And by the way, PZ, it's been all down here for PZ ever since those uh, rumors about him and JJ with the fallout. Um, you, just, you know, you just can't hope the timing. I don't know if it's true he's denied it, but you just can't help think about the uh, timing of that situation. But there is some cleaning of the house going on, some new blood coming in, old blood coming out. Uh, that's what you would expect of a manager, especially one that is not Portuguese, that's going to come in and do things his way without thinking about any uh, politics, internal politics with the agents or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, that's been, uh, that was the very big story. Tarat, I feel sorry for my boy uh, who I've had on this show before, Cristiano Oliveira, who's a big fan of Tarat. Uh, we'll see what happens with Tarat. I think Tarat would do well in Major League Soccer, very well in Major League Soccer. Um, so we'll see if uh, where he goes next. Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but again, a lot of things are happening with Benfica. They went to, uh, they basically went to England camp at St. George's uh, to go to St. George's with like 38 players, and now they're starting to really cut it down to try to get to, I think, 25, 26, or 27 uh, players. Uh, Porto, you know the news about Conceição. It's been a rough week, but good news for Porto fans. Gabriel Verón. Porto paid a little over $10 million for him uh, for 100% of his pass, I think. Palmeiras will get 15% of any profit in the future above, I believe, the uh, $10 million. The only thing that surprised me about this, there was a very interesting comment, and I apologize that I don't have the name of the individual who said that uh, responding on Twitter, but he basically said $10 million? Only $10 million? And he's been this highly, he's been this much in the news, and he's only being bought for $10 million? I think that was a very fair point to make. Um, and I and I saw he scored a goal the other day, Verón, but I don't know if he has scored a lot of goals for Palmeiras. I know the Portuguese manager, Abel, uh, Abel of, uh, of Palmeiras, is not happy that they've sold him. They thought he could have gotten him for a lot more money. But big news that uh, basically Porto did sign him. He's their second biggest signing after David uh, Carmo. Uh, Porto, by the way, have had, been playing a bunch of preseason matches, and some of them... You only know they played until after when they show the result. Um, they played Portimonense before they left the Algarve, and Portimonense had it on YouTube, the full match, and then a few hours later it was taken down. So Porto has been very protective with the information uh, based on what's reported. I think the match they played last weekend, I, I'm trying to remember if it was Aroca or someone they played last weekend, you know, not even the media knew they were playing until, you know, because it was closed door. But not even the media knew they were playing until Porto put out the information. So Porto's been very heavily guarded uh, with that uh, stuff. Uh, Danny Loader, uh, his great camp the other day, um, three goals in uh, two preseason matches in one day on Tuesday. Uh, he looks like it's somebody, again, that's what you got to do when you're a Porto. You know, if you're not buying a lot of players and you're losing a lot of players, what do you do? You bring up the best players from the B team or the other systems in Porto's youth system and or you bring up players that you've signed in the past few years, and this is another big prospect that's uh, coming up. And then, of course, the other big news for Porto, they got a two-match ban of the Dragon for the incidents going back uh, to February. They've gone to Todd to try to get that down, or they'll look to get an injunction. If that does not work, then um, I I've heard differing reports. I don't know if it's the first two matches this season or if it's the second and third home match of the season. But uh, the sporting match might be one of those matches because they play sporting in week three, round three. That match going to be a sellout? Several, hundred, several million dollars in ticket revenue? That is a very expensive punishment um, that I know some, that really bothers a lot of people as if they were playing a smaller club 
Yeah, they would have a big house, but the tickets aren't as expensive uh, compared to when you play a sporting or a Benfica. So a very big punishment, not just the fact that they have, you know, they're going to lose money because that's two home matches that they lose revenue with. But be curious to see if they're able to overturn this because the joke in Portugal is that very few clubs actually serve a stadium ban. Um, I've heard that many times on social media. So we'll see if that's uh, the case. Uh, sporting, uh, Jesus Alcantar, Mexican, young Mexican international, arrived for the uh, big team. So sporting continuing. Uh, sporting has a reputation of taking care of the, be- the younger players and bringing in the best younger players, and they continue to do this with a very good Mexican uh, prospect. Good win over Roma uh, and Mourinho, 3-2. to two. Pote has been unbelievable the preseason. Five goals, five preseason uh, matches. Uh, Pote, remember I said this a few episodes ago that I'm surprised more clubs aren't going after Pote, but that was because this past year he didn't have a great season compared to the season that they won the uh, title. But Pote, if he continues this way, by the time you get to January, there's a lot of clubs that are going to want him, and you're going to hear a lot of rumors. He'll be on the front pages of all the newspapers and all that stuff. Watch. Or don't be surprised when I said in the next week or two we'll see more news of potential players being bought by big clubs. Don't be surprised if one of those big stories turns out to be Pote because he is really back, and I think people need to overlook the fact that last year he had uh, some injuries. Other news, Philip Pelop is going to play for FC Tokyo. Um, on loan with an option to buy. And Renan, who's been with them, a very expensive salary. It looks like he's moving to Saudi Arabia and he will rescind uh, with uh, with uh, Sporting. Um, and uh, again, Sporting this weekend will be playing Sevilla. A very good team, by the way. A very, very good team to be playing in the Cinco Villaminos match. Uh, I will say that between Porto Manico, Sporting Sevilla, and Befica Newcastle. This is a pretty good teams to be bringing to Portugal um, uh, to uh, play. Uh, other news, uh, José Mourinho has made some big signings at Roma. So will Roma ha- be a contender in the Serie A? Well, so far, I think they're showing that they might be. So best of luck to the uh, special one who was having some fun in the match against Sporting. He had a nice chat with uh, Ruben Amarin, but it's always good to see the special one. Uh, one of the few people or only people that's ever won three cup competitions. Uh, four, if you remember when he was an assistant in Barcelona, he won the old Cup Winners' Cup. Uh, but he's done a great job. Uh, João Cancelo will be wearing the number seven for Manchester City. That's uh, very big news. Bernardo Silva, the news about him maybe being moved, that kind of died down a little bit. But I know um, City, like a lot of clubs, are in the uh, States. Uh, so we'll see about that. And uh, oh, before I forget about Braga, another major signing getting uh, Simon Banza from Familia Kong. Braga, you know, again, um, they've sold a lot of players, but they still got Vitinha, who apparently they declined a big offer from the Middle East for. Uh, if Ricardo Orta stays, Braga is going to be competing. I, I don't know if they're going to do better than fourth place. But they have signed, you know, they still got that guy Gonzalez, if I believe I'm correct. You know, they've got a lot of good young strikers. Um, they got some good creative players. They've been doing a very, very nice job. Uh, their young kid, Roger, latest reports that he was being eyed by Atletico, but that only means if you're Braga and you know your 16-year-old prospect's being eyed by Atletico, that only means you keep him because if he has the year that he has this upcoming season, it means you'll be able to sell him for three or four times more than probably what Atletico will give you because they're not giving you $40 million for the 16-year-old prospect. But Braga is in Algarve. They have some very good camps. They beat Bournemouth 
from the uh, from England, and uh, they are really doing uh, very well down there. Um, and again, really looking forward to seeing that Week Three match against Sporting. That's going to say a lot about their season for the uh, coming year. Um, two last things to finish up this podcast. Number one, I was really happy to see Gilles Vicente training in my hometown, uh, big city of Arcstoval Vierge. Uh, they had, uh, they're there doing their stage. They left to go play Porto and then came back. Um, I would have liked to have seen them there. They, I wonder which restaurant they ate at and what hotel they stayed at. But Gilles Vicente going to my hometown team for a stage preseason in Arcus de Valvege. I saw photos of them training in a stadio de Cutada with those uh, 30-year-old seat backs that they're yellow, but I think they used to be red. But over the years, because of all the weather, they've turned into yellow. That's how it works in the district levels, my friend. When you have things that old, they change colors over the years, but that's the charm of the place. I'm uh, going to wrap up episode 127. Um, and this is the part that's not so much Portuguese, so if you want to get off now, feel free. I went to go see Arsenal Everton last week at uh, BMT Bank Stadium in uh, Baltimore. That is the home of the Baltimore Ravens, the NFL football stadium. They had about 39,000 fans at the game, um, which, by the way, that's a lot. I mean, that's usually what Sporting and Porto get at their uh, matches in Portugal, you know, around 39,040. But in this big stadium where they play American football, um, it looked half full, but it was still big. Uh, great match. Got to see Cedric and Tavares got to start for Arsenal. I did not see, he might have been in the stadium, but I didn't see him on the sideline when I was looking at the sideline, and that is Fabio Vieira. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see him if he was there. Um, didn't see Andre Gomes as well. Uh, Gomes was on the, the squad list that they gave to people at the stadium, but uh, I don't recall seeing him and if he was in the stadium or maybe he was up in one of the uh, boxes. I'm not really sure of his status, to be honest with you, at Everton. But a great match. Uh, you know, I'm a big Arsenal fan, as everybody knows. Um, the only disappointment I, I had was I didn't get a chance to see Arsenal fan TV. They didn't really do much down there. They're, they just flew into Orlando for the match with Orlando City. Um, then I know they're playing somebody else down in uh, Florida. So that was a bit of a disappointment uh, because not only going to see the game, I wanted to check out their operation and even try to at the end to see if I could do the interview. Um, Troops, who still does stuff for Arsenal Fan TV, but now does stuff for Barstool Sports. He was there. He actually was next to my section in the stadium, and he was constantly being asked for autographs. But what I wanted to say was, you know, we're here in the States because there's money to be made. Just like there's money to be made in Asia and China and why teams go to Australia. They'll play good competition that are in the middle of their season. They're going to make good money instead of you know training at home and not making any money playing closed-door matches. But I'm disappointed this year that none of the Portuguese teams have come over, especially Porto, if they were looking to make some decent money, or Sporting, if they were looking to put up some money. Now, it could be that perhaps nobody asked them. Or it just could be that maybe they said no, but... To me, I think Portuguese clubs have to find a way. I know they're doing it in Europe. They went to England. I know Benfica's going to Switzerland. I, I, I get all that. And if you're living in Europe, you're only a two- or three-hour flight away from going to Portugal to see a game. But Portuguese clubs need to do a better job of coming to North America. I'm not trying to be, oh, look at him. He's China, not the man. No, 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 no. There's money to be made. It's a chance for the fans to see you play. It's a chance to expose your product to an audience in America by the way, did you see the Major League Soccer deal with Apple for their television? You know, it's going to be mostly streaming. You've got to buy a subscription, but a big deal. It's growing. 
And there's money to be made, and the audience here in America is much more sophisticated than they were 20 years ago. And you got to get in on that, you know, and, and, and be a part of it. Maybe it's because of COVID, I don't know. But to be fair, it's not that great in Portugal. It's not that great anywhere. So that shouldn't be a reason. Um, but it was disappointing. But the one piece of advice that I want to leave you with, my only disappointment on the trip, well, first off, let me just say I ate at Nando's in Baltimore. They had one in Baltimore. My only disappointment, uh, first of all, I don't understand why there's no Nando's in the Northeast U.S. Apparently there's locations in Maryland. There was Baltimore. Washington, D.C. has some. And then the Illinois, Chicago has some. How a Portuguese place, Portuguese slash Mozambique place like that isn't in the Northeast, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But, man, the food was good. And I ate Nando's my first time in England a few years ago. I thought it was okay. Maybe it's just the chef that day wasn't good enough, but... Man, I had some great food at Nando's with some of the people that I went with that came up from D.C. and Richmond. Awesome food. But my only complaint and word of advice to you, especially when you're going to Portugal or really anywhere, is you got to pay attention to the local transportation because, you know, first off, parking in some of these, especially in the United States, at some of these big American football stadiums, it's going to run you 40, 50 bucks, sometimes more money. And a lot of people rely on local transportation. It took me 45 minutes to wait for what they call the light rail to go from one part of Baltimore out to the stadium, which is on the other side of town. It wasn't enough time to walk because it's not a big walk, but it's still a walk. Um, then when they took you, when the light, the, uh, the light rail came, the overground train, you could call it, but it's smaller with only like three or four cars. Um, didn't even go to the football stadium. It let you off at the American Baseball Stadium, which is the you know Camden Yards, beautiful place where they play baseball. And then you had to walk over to the main stadium. So I'm not sure if they do that for security reasons. And then after the match, I was hearing stories actually in the second half that there were big issues with the light rail and they needed the light rail to get to the other side of town to catch the train to go home because there was a whole bunch of us that wanted to catch the 11.15 train back up north. You know, I got home at like 3 in the morning, but it was a lot of fun being on a train late at night in the, the cafe car with a bunch of fans drinking in coffee, whatever they were selling. But 35 minutes I waited for a light rail to come to take me to the train station. And I was so scared that I was going to miss the train because I did not prepare to spend the night in Baltimore. But the thing I learned, even though I wanted to stick around to see troops and if Arsenal Fan TV, which they didn't, did anything, you got to pay attention to the transportation system because... There are parts of the world where it's really bad, and if you're making arrangements to get out right away, you got to plan it well, man. And like, if you're going to Aveiro to go see Porto Tunela, it is on the outside of town. That is not an easy place to get out of as soon as the match is over with, especially if you're trying to catch the train back up north or south, you know, in the downtown area by the, I think it's you know, a little bit further down. I've only been to Aveiro once. you got to plan that out, and I made it barely... But that was the only bad thing. And then Saturday, Sunday, I went to go see the New York Derby. I saw somebody on Talk Sport called it League One Football. I thought that was very unfair. But great derby, practically a full house. 30, they had about 26,000, 27,000, which, by the way, is bigger than what Braga draws and what a lot of major leagues, uh, what a lot of Portuguese clubs draw outside of Guimarães and the Big Three. I thought it was a very good match, and that was my weekend of football. Um, so that was my story for last weekend, a great weekend, uh, and I'm looking forward to doing that again. I'll tell you about some of my future trips in the uh, near uh, future. Also hoping to go to Toronto 
perhaps in uh, late August. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, with that. But anyway, folks, I'm going to wrap up episode 127. Thank you for listening. Please tell everybody great numbers, PortugueseSoccer.com, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, tune in. It's all available on these things, and I encourage you to uh, check it out and give it a listen. As always, PeaceSoccerCOM at Gmail with any complaints. Don't have, uh, well, I didn't get a chance to put together the comments. I'll come back with them next week. And then next week, first official match of the season with Porto Tunela, and I'll have a preview for that as well. Folks, please take care of yourselves. And if you're in Portugal, enjoy yourselves, and I'll talk to you soon. Ciao.